This is the one with the Doctor's birthday. The woman who fell to Earth. A monsoon of cyber jizz. Alistair Gordon's cyber bagels. A queen of evil. Not the worst former Prime Minister. The CEO of the human race. And Danny Pink finally turns grey. It's called Death in Heaven. Here Here we go! go. Whistle on our epic phrase. All through time and all through space. Whistle being an angel's hair. Dalek cyber zoo and wow! Counting Sonic's rating out. From the poor to the sublime. Eccleston to Whittaker. Let's agree it's about time. Who back when? Reviewing on you who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes, please. Rose and Donna. Amy Pond. Rory Clara. And beyond. Join, Join us on this side to see what other choice could there be. But who back when? Who back when? What ho, podcast land, future Leon here with a super quick apologetic intro slash heads up. We're still in corona lockdown times and we're recording this over Skype and unfortunately we had some bandwidth issues on a couple of occasions during this recording. In fact, one of them is pretty much right at the start, so sincerest apologies for that. Don't worry and please don't give up on this app because we had a blast with it. Just power through the crackles at the start and you'll see you won't regret it. Thank you for your understanding and stay safe everybody. Bing bong. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and all in between and beyond of any race, colour, or creed. Welcome to another episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Or Doc Doc Past. (laughs) That's right, although not in sync. And welcome to episode N116, Death in Heaven. I am Drew Back When, but I couldn't review an episode like this by myself, so I've recruited two co-hosts here tonight, (laughs) one of whom is growing back his facial hair, and he is... Leon, hello there. Soon to be rebranded. No, I'm staying as Leon, thank you very much. (laughs) Really? Grass is always greener. (laughs) And my other co-host has recently straightened her hair, and she is... It's Marie, hello. Yeah, it is, and here we are, and this is it. Hello to both of you. So we are recording on the 6th of June, and I think given the week the world has had, we need to acknowledge that something we all believe, Black Lives Matter. Yes? Any agreement out there in co-host land? Oh, yeah. Abs- oh, yeah. yeah. Abs- <laughs> <laughs> I thought there was another paragraph following that. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, we believe this. We're not out on the streets at the anti-racism protests, but big love to those who are. Try not to catch COVID, and uh, we'll see if this comes up in the uh, episode at all tonight. Yeah, and watch out for crazy racist policemen. That shit is real. Mm. Watch out. Mm. Good luck avoiding those thugs with clubs. So! Hooray! High level, Marie. What did you think of this episode? A bit underwhelmed compared to last week's because I really enjoyed the build-up, but as is inevitable, the um, conclusion doesn't ever quite to your expectations, I think. Good point. Especially Um, especially when you were going to give the build-up a 5.0 before we... (laughs) Knocked some sense into you. I may have had second thoughts about that. (laughs) (laughs) I swept away last week. But I didn't get swept away this week. I wanted to be carried on again in that journey and, and just really love it. And, I, you know, and Missy was fantastic and some of the acting was fantastic. And But there were just too many things this week that bothered me to get completely carried away like I did last week. Leon, has that teed you up sufficiently? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I agree on most of those points. There were quite a few oofs for me in this one as well, though. And a few of them that I just cannot forgive the episode for. And I, I really, really look forward to getting into those oofs with you guys tonight right well i'm gonna give it a lot less than last week so how about we jump into a b-scale let's do (laughs) that (laughs) 
Time for us to synopsize, clarify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brew and listen to this overview. This free for all. We like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who. In this finale to season eight, Clara goes all in with a ruse to convince a cathedral full of cybers that Clara Oswald never existed and she's actually the Doctor. Except she's not the Doctor. Newly demoted Danny Pink is downloaded from the Nether Sphere into a freshly pollinated cyber suit. Except he didn't delete his emotions after all. And wasn't he cremated? Meanwhile, President Who of Earth with Kegels and Osgood are flying nowhere in Boat 1 with no plan, while two unit grunts guard a handcuffed Missy. Except they aren't watching her hands. Miss go over, you are welcome. Aren't you just? <laughs> How would we have better ended the last episode? Because the last episode ended with a cliffhanger of Danny Pink's finger hovering over, deleting his entire emotional back catalogue because having met the Afghan, I assume, or Iraqi boy he killed, he was so distraught as to want to annihilate himself and yeah. give up on the concept of an eternity in the nether sphere he couldn't be bothered figuring out or investigating. The first time we see him in this episode, he hasn't deleted his emotions. He's, and he's been reunited with the boy as well. Yeah, the boy is standing right next to him, passes completely without comment, and he is fine with it. Yeah. What changed? It's so false. I was instantly annoyed. Yeah, the, the kids ran off the last time. Couldn't face the idea of being in the same room or on the same balcony as Pink. And it seems as though there's this moment of maybe not necessarily redemption or forgiveness or anything like that, but certainly a reunion between those two that must have been emotionally wrought that we have been robbed of. Yeah, they have, must have worked some serious shit out. Yeah. In the same shared language, I assume. Don't know how, but okay. Well, the kid's been in the Nethersphere for a few years now and the nether sphere seems to be in english so <laughs> well no we only see seb seb is an ai interface he can presumably communicate in any earth language yeah that oh that is a good point yeah and the kid never oh, speaks so, the, so this boy at the end the fucking most infuriating ending of an episode or a season ever by the way but the, the kid jumps through the portal into the real world and doesn't understand a word anyone says and clara's there doesn't speak <laughs> doesn't speak arabic <laughs> oh doesn't even know his name yeah don't she just even, don't even get me started on that he, the guy like doesn't the have a passport dies, like he, uh an amount of time ago yeah <laughs> he doesn't have a passport the second she takes him to heathrow he's going to be arrested and then he's going to be locked in a lab and prodded as the only person who's known to have survived the afterlife and he will never see the light of day again yeah that kid is like our version of area 51 yes exactly <laughs> except what actually happens is she takes him down to the local mosque and the imam there is like well this tracks i mean fine just drop off a random kid why don't you we're, we're a charity <laughs> no questions asked random tiny northern lady <laughs> she is tiny she looked so tiny in this episode i think they filmed her like from the above angle quite a lot yeah and, and do you know what she looked particularly tiny next to a big strong hunk of love danny pink yeah she did and he puts his big cyber arm around her and is like you will sleep safely tonight <laughs> <laughs> 
which I, I just I hated that moment. Yeah. For everything it says and represents and is and the reason it was and what it was doing functionally. <sighs> oh, well, oh. I mean, th- there are a few things about Cyberpunk and that ending that I really do appreciate, though. Pink is more interesting in this episode than he was in part one. In part one, he was just like wet kitchen towel. In this one, he has a very narrow, yet still absolutely perceptible range of emotions. (laughs) (laughs) Danny Pink, as a Cyberman in this episode, has so much more emotion than he did last week when he was... Like, he he comes on and lists, oh, you were born on this day, your parents are this, da-da-da-da. If you'd have said that last week, that was all she needed to, like, prove that rather than go, I love you, I love you, I love you, you know, show her that you know her. I I maintain that Danny Pink's emotions in this episode range from arsehole to twat. Basically, Danny Pink (laughs) is the perineum (laughs) of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the thing is... <laughs> <It's> <laughs> DVD cover text. <laughs> I want that. <laughs> I want that on his character bio and the little fold out sheet that you get when you buy the box set. <laughs> Sorry, Mary, I was talking over you. I apologize. No, it's just, it, it is when, um, when he's having that confrontation with the doctor, which parts of that are really powerful, but then other parts of that really piss me off. And then at the end of it, I was just like, thinking, what? Has he actually seen the Doctor do that gives him the right to talk to him like that? He's basically saying you're a heartless man, you don't care about your like all these people, you come in and walk in and destroy all their lives. And have we seen anything? Well, I'll tell you... He's been involved. I'll tell you what he's going on. He's going on Clara's reportage, where she comes back to him and says, do you know what, he pushed me too far this week, and he's like, yeah, I told you he would. And she's like, oh, I'm so annoyed. But every other thing Clara has told him throughout this series, apart from perhaps I love you, has been a lie. Yeah. So he doesn't question any of that. But because she's such an unreliable narrator, it, it just makes that untenable. But isn't that part of it also just jealousy? Because he's seen week in, week out, he's seen Clara favor her relationship with the doctor. Well, and now he, she says it to his face. She says there is one. Yeah, exactly. I lie to. I will never. You know. Well, I thought that was cut a really to her lying scene. to him at the end of the episode. Well, yeah, exactly. yeah, oh, a hundred percent. But and, I mean, and throughout the series, just past, in fact. But but sure, go with it. I thought that was a really good scene, though, because it was finally exposing her for the just horrible girlfriend that she's been. In addition to that, I thought his side of that scene, even though I disagree with the logic behind it, and I don't think that it abides by the rules of New Who Cybermen as we know them, but I liked everything about Pink up until his really shitty faux gladiator speech at the end. Aside from that, I liked it. You liked it when, after Clara had said, yeah, the Doctor is the one man I would never betray, Danny Pink, with his emotions uninhibited, still fully in control of himself, raises his weapon arm as if about to shoot her. Yeah, no, that's something that I don't really... And that's among my questions as well to ask you, because there seems to be this inner struggle within him. The Cyberman wants to take over, or should Danny Pink take over? And that's the... I'm assuming that's the Cyberman side of him that wants to shoot her, not Danny Pink. I guess that, that, that would yeah. make more sense if that had come after the emotional inhibitor had been activated. He has exactly as much trouble inhibiting his emotions before and after this thing has apparently been switched on and yeah, is supposed but, but to make a difference. Yeah, and that's what I'm trying to say. I mean, none of this 
really checks out. The the rules of what makes a Cyberman and how a Cyberman thinks and acts, and when a Cyberman is able to even feel anything, they do not apply in this episode. This episode just takes all those rules and chucks them out the window. After the inhibitor has been turned on, towards the very end, the Doctor goes, hey, you didn't notice, Missy, but there's one Cyberman who, despite having zero emotions, no personal stake in anything anymore, that person is null and void, is still not following orders, he's not moving to the, you know, the airplane dance. So why is that then, if she switched him off? It's bullshit, man, is what I'm trying to say. And it also makes all the other cyber people, it makes their love lesser, just because we haven't been following them around being lied to for 12 weeks. It's just so inappropriate and badly constructed. But Marie, we've talked over you long enough. What do you Yeah, think? sorry about that. Oh, no, it's fine. <laughs> Saying it makes their love lesser. I What I assume is that everyone else that became a Cyberman has already pressed the off button, so they've already got rid of their emotions with the exception of Lethbridge Stewart. So all the ones that are dancing Don't around... Don't get me started on Lethbridge Stewart. <laughs> Yeah, but, but then why has Seb fallen asleep on the job between the cliffhanger last week and this week? And instead of allowing Danny Pink to be downloaded again, why doesn't he say, nah, you know, you've got a choice? I mean, that's, a, that's surely that would be a fairly tempting choice. Danny, you could go back to Earth and see Clara again. But there's one catch. You've got to delete your emotions. Yeah. And, and are they saying that there's literally nobody else? Like every other person chose to delete their emotions in that scenario. Wait, is, is that why... Wait, hang on. Explain that again. Is it just people who haven't deleted their emotions that are able to be transferred back into the real world? Well, I don't know, because all the other Cybermen are following orders. So presumably it goes that then they they have already deleted their emotions, so they don't have any free will anymore. They don't have control. A few questions for you guys, then. Why the it, need for an emotional inhibitor, perchance? Bingo. That's number one. Uh, <laughs> but we had this conversation in the last episode as well. Like, hey, if you're going to delete the emotions anyway, why just why put them in there in the first place? It's nonsense, okay? Yep. But then also, surely there... And I know that we talked about this the last time as well. Surely there are lots of people, because they are presented with this choice, there are lots of people who will have not elected to delete themselves or to delete their emotions because Mm. maybe they're there because they expected an afterlife and they went okay well i mean now i'm here (laughs) i've been waiting for this like literally all my life i'm not about to end it now this is ridiculous Mm. no yeah you would think the number of people that would choose on day one to delete all your emotions it's got to be quite minor to be fair yeah exactly and the other thing is, um, so it was said at one point that Missy had been jumping back through the Doctor's timeline, so which we've seen a little part of in this series, but the implication is that it's much longer and she's been collecting people that have died to save the Doctor. So it's kind of making the cyber army his personal army. And you'd think most people that have interacted with the Doctor come away, at, you know, they give their lives willingly. They come away with some, like, there's got to be some meaning to it all. Would the next thing you do really be just delete everything you've been through? Yeah, that's a good point. And then the other thing that bothered me about that is the um, there was a line about, like, I wonder how far back it goes. And the Doctor says, well, how far back is there a concept of the afterlife? And is that implication that Missy has basically created, like, the this our idea of heaven or hell or whatever it is? And, you know, does that go back to the beginning of humanity? I, th- yes, I think that does. was... Well, I, I, I don't think that that's necessarily what she's done. I think that was written in as a line that seemed really cool at the time. 
but, but that <laughs> well, doesn't I, necessarily mean anything. I think there's scope via the inclusion of that line to extend the scope of harvested the souls of the recently dead back in time as far as you like. But then that raises the question of if you're just stealing people, putting them in this Gallifreyan data slice, how does that create the concept of an afterlife when nobody is communicating from that afterlife? Oh, that's well, they commu- true. But they're communicating with each other in the afterlife. Yeah, but not to the live humans among whom the concept of the afterlife surely is circulating. Yeah, but isn't the implication, isn't the idea that Missy or the master, whichever form she had at the time, yeah. was the one communicating the sort of the theory of an afterlife to those people, to the living people. Well, that's entirely separate from anything we've seen or heard in this episode then. Yeah, but that's why I'm saying that I think that's just a throwaway line that sounds cool. I don't yeah. think I don't think it's like, oh well, literally the concept of an afterlife has been in existence because Missy brought a Gallifrey and USB stick around. I don't think that's the case. I, I think it's yeah, she's been collecting other people who well well, people who have sacrificed themselves to save the doctor. But then the fact that it's raining weird cyber nanite pollen nonsense and that then seeps into all anyone who is dead i mean every grave is just popping open it, it, it's not like 80 percent of the people who were buried in that one graveyard that we get to see in that one cemetery that 80 percent of those people died for the doctor it, it's just that they've they have sorry it's a small proportion actually of each grave i'm sure they say that that it's only a handful in each grave that are actually coming alive. So I did Yeah, but we get to see one cemetery with at least 20 people in it. Are there 20 people buried in the same cemetery somewhere in London who who have all died for the doctor? That seems really weird. Yeah, but Missy's the undertaker, so she can set up however she likes. She's got but all the time person, in the world on her hands. One Cyberman crawls out of a grave dated dead uh, died 1748. Really good spot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 1748. That is not recently deceased, first of all. So even mm-hmm. if the, the, even when that person was recently deceased, she grabbed the the intellect, the brain waves or whatever it is that she's harvested for her hard drive, that body is it's just just a pile of dust which has now been rained on so that is just a robot yeah it's not workable organic matter exactly and if it's going to be populated by anything then what is it going to be populated by someone who's been in the digital afterlife for 250 years (laughs) and (laughs) And it just goes no i don't want to leave now it's it's just so dumb i'm really sorry oh yeah, and we'll have to cut this short because this was like an hour last week and it yeah. <laughs> this nonsense doesn't deserve another hour this week. But nope. Danny also says that the plan is for a second rainfall to happen and presumably pick up everyone else in the graveyard and 20% will be bumped to 100%. But... And not ju- yeah, not just that, also people who are living. Right, okay. In which case, what, one of my notes was if the exploded cyber cloud and cyber fluid can control where they go from puddles into funeral homes into morgues you'd think it could just seep into the living and overwhelm them yeah yeah that's a good point and i think that's what the second storm was about but why not the first because the first is pretty fucking effective i mean these are nanites they can spread themselves thin the doctor basically says if one comes into contact with anything living boom that's it over Uh, yeah do you think it's because miss so missy has set all of this up so that she can put the doctor in charge of this army and if she was converting living 
humans, there's no way that he would then turn around and use them for his own good because he, he's too close to it. Whereas if you're taking people that have been dead for centuries, then you're not harming them. They're not conscious. They're not, you know, in there. They are effectively robots. So it's, he's more likely to say, okay, I will take this dead army um, and run with it and go and kill all the Daleks and do whatever. I don't think that works because the souls are basically ageless in the data slice. Um, they, they are all people just the same. I don't think the Doctor's going to be put off by a bit of temporal interstice. Well, he's not because he doesn't go with it. But I just think maybe that would be like Missy might think that he would. Maybe it's possible. Yeah. But, but 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 Missy has gone to such vast lengths, as we said last week, and as she admits this week, to not well to overlook Danny Pink, who seems to be like her prime target, the beginning of this huge chain which she reels the Doctor in by. To not make sure he deletes himself is is just even more absurd. Yeah. No, I, I think it's in fact, it's in her interest not to have him delete himself. Because really? otherwise, yeah, because otherwise, what's the point? Is Clara's just going to see another Cyberman and not know that Danny Pink is in there. Whereas this way, she gets to be potentially tormented by that, you know, interplay between her and Robot Pinky. Oh, okay, but this is about torturing Clara now rather than having the Doctor be equated with missy master in some way everything is about the doctor i think ultimately but the doctor yeah. suffers by seeing clara suffer and the doctor suffers by having danny pink be quote-unquote proven right by, by by having the doctor be a general at the end you know yeah i think it's just too far-fetched i think it works on the page it works in moffat's mind but it's not strong enough it's mm. too it's too tenuous i think the link with clara altogether and ends up being too tenuous when you think about it because so the it's never idea explained. Is, sorry it's never explained yeah like so the idea is that missy puts them together because she's the perfect you know she's this control freak who you will do anything for and she will take you to hell a they never actually go to hell they just go to the like lab where everyone's kept um but b jim made the point earlier like if she'd have done this plan anyway, with or without Danny Pink, if a you know a billion Cybermen had rained down and the dead had started walking, the Doctor would have found like he would have come. Like Kate could have called it, you know, something could have happened. He would have been there. He didn't need Clara to, you know, the whole thing in the Nether Sphere is sort of irrelevant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah no i mean it all boils down to that doesn't it it's just like the, you could have saved yourself a bottle of twine and a mess of jam you would have been fine yeah everywhere the cybermen have ever tried to take over anything docs turned up exactly yeah but just, I, get, I think... just get a bunch of cybermen and he will come you don't need to make this twisted plan Unless possibly the reason she wanted Clara to meet the Doctor was in order to save the Doctor's life by having, but because she knew that Clara would jump into the Doctor's time stream, which would be which would be a better answer, but it's not what they give. Yeah, yeah, because that just deconstructs the entire show. I mean, yeah. that was that was Moffat saying, "Look at that! Look at this! I can make this work across all the Doctors and fifty years." And to have Missy the master be behind everything I mean substituting in for Moffat himself I mean first of all he's not going to tolerate that and and secondly it just makes the whole series this weird 
um, not vendetta, but just plan on Missy's part to become friends with this person who we later learn they're ultimately sort of cloned from. I don't know. It's so circular and odd. Yeah, I, I refuse to believe that, by the way. Let's not even touch upon people have been cloned from the Doctor. That's that's yeah. the year oh, of the gas leak. By the way, Jenny was cloned from the Doctor, so there. But Oh, yeah. okay, yeah. Oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> So I just want to say one last thing about Danny and Clara. Can we can we wrap Danny and Clara up? Well, it, no. Well, okay, cause... no. I, I don't want to. I don't want to cut off all Danny and Clara. I okay. Uh, let me rephrase that. Well, it factors in quite a lot in the next episode. Oh, last Christmas. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we're yeah. not done with Danny yet. Okay. So just to wrap Danny and Clara up for this episode, for me, take it from here, guys. <laughs> Throughout this series, they haven't convinced me. They began with the most awkward interplay imaginable. Clara, if you remember, basically insulted Danny's profession, like Mm -hmm. opened up his war wounds within seconds of meeting him. Later, Danny was banging his head on the table and we were like, how does that follow from the previous scene? Then he couldn't string two words together for a while. Me, date, tonight, nice. And then there was an argument in a restaurant. Then there was episode after episode of circling around and around with ever more faithless lies. And now it's held up as this love story for the ages where their love is unique on the planet in allowing Danny to become a cyber general despite everything else. And it just pisses me off overall. And the one thing that he really wants to get away from his past as a soldier is something that only came about in his life because Clara manipulated him when he was a boy. Ooh. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They're not great together. (laughs) But I think there's something to be said about how how often do you meet someone else whom you've traveled through space and time with you know that doesn't happen every day and consequently that it goes a long way it's like keanu reeves and sandra bullock and speed you know those two were not a good match but they were on a bus together once and now they have to be married does danny travel through time and space i don't remember that he travels through space certainly yeah wait does he not so okay fine how often do you meet someone else with whom you walk into a space and time machine <laughs> and he's and he does like he saves the life there's the robot alien thing in the school and he does that weird backflip and you know oh yeah he is extremely gymnastic yeah he that, he's, yeah he's, pe he's like, involved in a couple of the stories so he get like she gets to share that part of her life with him that she doesn't share with anyone else yeah if plus everyone there's, there's... else in the Sorry, if everyone no, else in the staff room had been set up as just the most grotesque uggos, then maybe. <laughs> but there's going to be there was some very, talent. There was that oh, very. Teacher. <laughs> there was the super charming Matt Smith lookalike. There was. Oh, yeah. yeah, and there's the slightly corpulent uh, older gentleman. <laughs> The headmaster. (laughs) There's also the super weird, never fully explained Orson Pink from the future. Oh, heck. And even if that's a possible future, one that now is never going to transpire, just having seen that may create in Clara a certain expectation. You know, it raises the expectation that, you know, one of these days she will find a merit in her relationship with Danny Pink. She hasn't found it yet, but he must be the one for her. They must be the greatest love ever because she has already met their progeny. I think that's very astutely on. I think you've hit the nail on the head. Hey, oh, yes. Bingo bongo. <laughs> do, 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 do. I'm just going to well, dance and then lean back. There are so many nails in this episode. You are bound to hit one. <laughs> 
this episode is is crawling with nails to be hit. We can't. I know you want to finish with Danny Pink, uh, Drew, but we can't really until we've ad- we've approached the like twelve different endings that we have. We have to talk about his ending as well. Oh, oh go on. bloody endings! <laughs> or with the kid, the kid. The kid Okay, you know what? Uh, not to be mean or heartless, but were there no other people in the afterlife who maybe, you know, perhaps were more deserving or relevant? Like, mm-hmm. just just spitballing here, but maybe we could bring back Gandhi or Mother Teresa. <laughs> or, you <laughs> know what? Bring back Steve Jobs so he can sort out this iWatch fiasco. <laughs> I mean, in terms of time spent on this planet, they all died, Steve Jobs accepted, perhaps, at very advanced ages. This kid was robbed of potentially 80 years of life. So in terms of time left to spend, he's the more deserving. Okay, but fine. But there fine. must be other people that are that died even younger and that are more deserving than him. It's not about him being deserving. It's about easing Danny's guilt. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, here's another thing then. If it was possible for anyone, as in any one person, to get through, and we really need to get into the technicalities of this as well. Let's put a pin <laughs> on that because that makes absolutely zero bloody shit sense. However, yeah. couldn't the doctor have wibbled a gizmo to get a bunch of them out? And wouldn't it have made more sense to have someone who can perhaps more rationally, analytically talk about what they've seen there to go through? Such as, for example, Steve Jobs or Mahatma Gandhi, or in fact, Danny Pink, because Danny Pink is aware of what the doctor is capable of, and Danny Pink is aware of the technological context of the afterlife. A lot of people who are in there, the kid included, will be completely unaware of the Cyberman component of this. The kid never turns into Cyberman, as far as I'm aware. So maybe if you bring back Danny Pink, he and the doctor can collaborate and sonic something and get other people out. I mean, inside St. Paul's Cathedral, isn't the Gallifreyan hard drive still in there? You know? Yeah, that's where the nether sphere is. But what Danny has done is he has waited two weeks. Just sat on his Easter. hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he sat on his hands until the afterlife slash data slice is dying. And only at that point has he bothered to... I, I assume everyone else in the afterlife at this point is queuing up, being like, you've got the bracelet, Mr. <laughs> Cyber General. You know what? I, I'd really like to go back and design another iPad. Yeah, I I feel like there was more mileage left in the concept. Um, well, I was trying to bribe him, give him all their, like, worldly goods. Yeah, like, there are still impoverished people on the streets of Calcutta that I could help or you know I, I need to bring peace to India and then the world and Danny's like nope I'm the cyber general this kid gets it yeah that's it no <laughs> questions asked I because was responsible I, yeah I need I personally I Daniel Pink Daniel Pinkleton the <laughs> third I deserve <laughs> to be forgiven <laughs> Yeah, because it's not enough that I saved the entire human race a fortnight ago. This one boy <laughs> <laughs> but it re- everything else. <laughs> but it really <laughs> bugs me that there is a... Oh, sorry, Marie, go ahead. Sorry. No, whose parents are not going to believe that it's him either? If, so, if your child turned up, like, <laughs> you know, five years after you knew that he'd died and you you buried him and everything. <laughs> and, and he also hasn't aged. He hasn't aged. It, I'm fairly certain free. that his parents... Sorry, I'm fairly certain that his parents were killed by the next soldier over in the next room about three seconds later. I mean, they didn't turn up in the afterlife, so I guess. I Wait, guess that that's means a good point. Weren't. 
that, that's it. That is a good point. They're probably out there somewhere. Yeah. So actually, what Danny Pink has done is separated mother and son. They will never be together again. They were happy in the afterlife. No, no, I think they're not in the afterlife. I think they're alive. Because oh. if if the kid can track down Danny Pink in the afterlife, then surely he can track down his folks. Yeah, but he might have done. We never got to talk to the guy. Wait, that's that... a good point. That is a good point. Actually. Wait, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely have lost track of where this argument is going. <laughs> but uh, I it, I don't think that that kid will ever get reunited with his parents. No. And and you're absolutely right, Marie. If he ever were to get reunited with his parents, then A, that would be the most awkward situation ever. And they wouldn't believe him and they would it would just be traumatic for everyone involved. And yeah, they'll the, think he's the a parents... fraud. How could you how could you despoil how could you sully the memories of our dear son what kind of ghoulish fraudster are you <laughs> we've had another son since then and he's now our favorite and so even <laughs> if he comes back and is accepted back into the family he has this other sibling that he just he grows up to hate and it's, it's oh dear no there's never fa- happiness returning to that family no no oh. <laughs> It does really bug me, though, that the hard drive is still there. Because, the, yeah. I, mean, I mean, okay, when we were all on the MA, my MacBook died. It just plain died on me. And I, I took it to this really dodgy Mac engineer somewhere in Harrington who ran some, like, recovery software on it. And granted, I basically didn't get any data back. <laughs> uh, but some data came back. And that guy, I'm pretty sure he was working out of his shed and he wasn't equipped with a sonic screwdriver. So if you have the doctor aiming all of his technological know-how or plugging his TARDIS into that USB, even if it's run out of power surely he'll be able to figure something out. But the thing is, I don't, I just don't understand, what, A, where they went, because they say it's like an alternate universe or something, but what, why do they get then have, like, corporeal bodies in that universe? Yeah, it's bullshit. Like, this kid is dust, he's been buried for years, and... Yeah, and then this portal somehow... <laughs> material, How did you just... find out about the portal? Yeah, the portal is never set up. It's never set up. It's never explained. There is never. It's just like it's a Deus ex machina that seems ham fisted. It's a post credit sequence that's been yeah. ham fisted in pre credits. Yeah, because they had another post credit sequence that they needed to include. Yeah, possibly. But but there are a lot of things about the whole. Well, we are in the physical world right now, and they are in an AI, whatever it is, in a in in a piece of software uh, on their sides. That doesn't really make sense because Missy is traveling back and forth into the realm. And when she's in the realm, she even uses her weapon to kill uh, Seb. But he's just a program. You wouldn't kill him per se. She might delete him or reprogram him, but you wouldn't murder him. No. And does her body disappear from the real world when she goes into the software? It's, it's just, it, it hasn't been thought through. It annoys me most that th- this could never happen. It annoys me most that... It's just unrealistic. Well, no, no, I mean... <laughs> Sorry. No, what I'm about to say could never happen because it would just destabilise the entire universe of the show, which was that the Doctor... Well, Danny comes out with his bracelet somehow. doesn't make sense, but mm-hmm. does it anyway, because the kid does, from the nether sphere. The Doctor replicates it in his TARDIS. He makes as many of them as are necessary, and then saves everyone who's recently died, and they get to go on living. Yeah, Especially the see... ones who you know didn't die too soon and won't immediately need to be rushed into intensive care because they were 108. <laughs> but, then, but then the entire... <laughs> 
like the population of the planet would like triple and and we, it, all the resources would run out and there'd be World War Three and it would all be chaos. But there'd be more people. And he's find an empty planet to put them all on. Oh, yeah, he's he's done that before. He did that for the fucking tellers. <laughs> put them on the teller planet. They'd love it. Yeah, exactly. And then yeah. it's like, oh yeah, you you guys get a second chance and yeah. Yeah. By the way, I've given you loads of oldies, so they're really slow moving. You'll never go hungry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah I mean, decide which ones to bring back that would be a bit of a weird cut off yeah that's the thing it, it just it just spirals at that point yeah. they, they have to make it impossible and fudge it because otherwise there's there's just no way but but he shouldn't have gone there in the point not because it's sacred territory or anything but just because the story won't hold together yeah or or it's lame or both it's just it's it's just incredibly lame and it just didn't need it i don't like danny had had his send-off they'd had their goodbyes they'd had the you know i'm never gonna say i love you again i just don't know what it added to the clara danny storyline over then i guess to make the next scene with the doctor like then he you know he assumes that he's gonna live happily ever after with danny she assumes that he's going off to do the Gallifrey thing and they end up lying to each other again, which is quite a, a sort of poetic statement, maybe. Well, it's it's a poetic statement, but it just furthers the annoyance I've had with them this series. Stop fucking yeah. lying to each other all the yeah. time. Like, Missy lied about the coordinates for Gallifrey. You'd expect that of the master. And yeah. the doctor lies. We know that, rule one. But all the time, and Clara's like, there's just too much. Like, yeah. at this point... Well, this I like the lies at the end. I can't believe that I'm the 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 voice of positivity over here. By the way, <laughs> the, but I I, I got to say I I enjoyed I, I enjoyed, not enjoyed is the wrong word, but I I appreciated the fact that they were lying to each other at the end. I mean, they were lying to each other to spare each other the the torment that would come from sheer sympathy because yeah. they care so much about each other they don't want to see the other suffer so they're each lying about being happy to to the other and i i, I appreciated that you know he, he lies to clara about having found gallifrey and everything is fine and dandy she lies to him about being reunited with danny pink i thought that was a good ending i mean sorry that's part of the ending was really good yeah i remember i think the first time i watched it i thought it was the most heartbreaking ending because they you know they're the only two that could comfort each other in this sort of time of need and they both walk away from each other just to this solitary life you know where no she can't talk to anyone about danny pink and how he died and and everything because no one else would ever understand um, yeah. yeah, certainly not Gran. Oh, poor Gran. And, and still, also, can, no, sorry, she's been cybered by now, surely. Yeah, but yeah, watching it back, I think it just frustrated me more than anything. It's just like, oh, just bloody talk to each other. Yeah, like, I mean, it's not a sustainable lie. The next time he pops back in on her, I'll be like, oh, where's Danny? And she has to, you know, you can't keep it up. Well, to me, it seemed like this was her possibly leaving the show. I mean, surely yeah, exactly. the first time around, that's yeah. what we would have thought. Like, she's had her love arc and she's had her year and a half. This is goodbye, right? I'm pretty sure that's exactly right. And then in the next episode, in I mean, we'll we'll get to it, and we need to figure out what to do with that episode, by the way. But in Last Christmas, the whole trauma of having lost Danny is it, it comes back to the surface. But anyway, how about we take a step? Well, hang away on, hang on, from... hang on. I, I've got to say some good things about this this part. Okay, go for it. Okay. I, I've said how I don't like them lying to each other, but the line of the doctors, never trust a hug, 
it's just a way to hide your face. <laughs> Someone else as well. It's it is, it is it, a line so good that I've remembered it ever since. And there aren't many lines that I can just quote and that live with me, you know, like this one does. And the way they sell it, Capaldi is, is on the brink of tears. I haven't seen that before. It's excellent. He's a fantastic actor. Yeah. But, counter, <laughs> last week, last episode, first part of this finale, we had Capaldi saying to Clara, how could you betraying me how could you think you're betraying me, you know, makes any difference to me? They've made a massive emotional breakthrough then. And you think, oh, okay, so they are going to be on the level with each other and open up and nothing is beyond this level of connection they found. And they go right back to it here, the back to the same old, you know, veiled curtains and so forth. Yeah. It feels like a step back. Yeah, I'm with you on this. I might I suggest that we take a step back ourselves away from uh, Clara and Danny Pink and all of that nonsense and uh, maybe talk about uh, another aspect of this that we haven't addressed yet. Unit returns in this episode and uh, we haven't really talked about Missy either. There's a whole segment with Unit and Missy. Yeah, I really liked seeing Osgood again. She's a great character to have in. And again, <laughs> what? When she died, I wasn't expecting that at all. It's like this character yeah, that you, you know, come to know and love, and and she's got the bow tie, and she and she's such a like fun, lovely character. And and the last thing the doctor says to her sort of implies that she's going to come traveling with him. She'd be a great yeah. Couple. She's yeah, gonna... a great replacement from Clara, but yeah. before Clara from next week, perhaps. Exactly, we're in need <laughs> of a new companion. Yeah, bingo. Um, and then yeah, just the absolute callousness that Missy comes out with. So um, Osgood says, why would you kill me? I'm not important. And the response is, why does one pop a balloon? Like, it's just so cold. And then she just goes on to do it without a second hesitation. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that at all. I thought that was a good scene. Yeah, Yeah. she was a real agent of chaos. Absolutely. It's like she's channeling a little bit of Heath Ledger's Joker in this episode. It's just constantly so psychotic and evil it's fantastic I, yeah. I was expecting to see a little bit more of a maybe a trauma for the doctor suddenly realizing that he's lost a friend and potential companion in osgood but there's barely any time for it it's heart-wrenching and then immediately cuts to this incredibly <laughs> in, intense plane crash it's mm. it's a fantastic sequence quite frankly yeah what is it with the master trying to blow up the doctor on airplanes lately Oh, yeah. Yeah, twice. Twice we've had that now. In In a row. Yeah. It's weird recycling of of old master ideas. Is is this some sort of comment that the master does repeat themselves over and over again? Well, we haven't had anything yet, anyway, in Classic Who, where the master uses an airplane. We'll see if that comes up at any point. Yeah, but the master in Classic Who was always trying to take over the world and always got... um, Bested. uh, Yeah, (laughs) switcherooed at the end, two-timed by the, the foe of the week. Yeah. Uh, mostly, yeah. yeah. Okay, so is is there any is there any precedent in Classic Masters that you've seen so far for just popping off a character like bang, you're dead. <laughs> Next. Well, Delgado definitely killed a few. I mean, not in the psychotic way that we've had Missy in this one and um, uh, what's his face? Oh, in uh, with the Thirteenth Doctor. Yeah. I, I haven't encountered that, but th- there are plenty of Classic Who Masters that I haven't encountered yet. But Delgado did certainly <laughs> pop a few caps and a few asses or rather like <laughs> you know minimize minify whatever it is he does you know with the little device yeah 
a few people here and there just willy-nilly. Fuck it. You're dead. You're dead. You're tiny. Boom. With no real regard for, for life or, you know, with any, with any kind of scruples. But it's a different kind of psycho. You know, it's a 1960s gentleman's thief or gentleman thief rather than Hannibal Lecter on poppers. <laughs> Brilliant. She's, she's also really, like, joyful and just, like, when she arrives... With the like Mary Poppins umbrella. Oh yes. Like, it's, just, <laughs> it's just this surreal. Like you kind of can't help but like her, even though she is this complete psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> when she says, "Have you got any more friends I can play with?" Is ah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a joy. I I wrote that that there is the perfect fusion of writing and acting. Stephen Moffat wanted like an anti Mary Sue perfect psychopath, and yeah. Michelle Gomez, yeah, delivers utterly. The only time I think she is less than convincing is in the graveyard at the end when they have to dial her back. She can't follow through because I want my friend. You mean the birthday back. thing, the whole happy birthday, you forgot the date, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, and then just watching the scene play out rather than being chaotic and not letting Danny Peach make his execrable speech. And, you know, she would have had a, or she should have had a B plan, but yeah. the writing let her down. And it just became so formulaic from that point. And she was so good up to then. And, and then she just petered away. Yeah, but then again, I think we could all assume that she beams out of there rather than is vaporized by um, uh, by bagels, by cyber bagels. Yeah, but so long it feels before like that, she, she should There have is a plan B, but it hasn't happened. Yet. She was just waiting for the right moment so that she could fool them all into thinking she was dead and then come back with this bang again. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but, but but the doctor has dodged her question, hasn't she? She's got no comeback for, he's saying, I'm not good, but I'm not bad. I'm this other thing. And she was well within her rights to say, you know what, doctor, there is still this massive army. So if you are running away, that's pretty much the same thing as abdicating responsibility and everything. And what is the difference between you and me? But there's no further interplay or exploration of those concepts he does his sneaky get out and that's taken as read and yeah. she hardly says anything from that moment on and she spent so long on this plan so long <laughs> she's <laughs> around with his entire existence and she doesn't have a comeback yeah i know <laughs> <laughs> On the plane, though, yeah, that was pretty cool, right? Mm. Right, that was pretty cool. There's a there's a countdown, Drew. You must have loved it. I actually did like this countdown. Mm. Finally, oh, finally. I've liked many countdowns. I'll have you know. What's uh, the Armageddon factor? I like the countdown. I wonder what Drew thinks. <laughs> <laughs> Perfectly justifiable question. I like I liked the countdown because it wasn't linear. She's mm -hmm. she's trash talking intensely between ten, nine, eight, and seven. How shit humans are, and from the moment they slop out, blah blah, disgusting. Three, and I'm just like three, and she's like, well, yeah, why not? Got <laughs> to keep you on your toes. Yeah, it's, it's brilliant because it's subverts what you expect from a countdown rather than giving you a bad example of what you do expect and fucking it up good finally not finally i've liked many countdowns podcast land go back and listen to the previous 147 episodes i'm on i, I like numerous countdowns. <laughs> <laughs> at least two <laughs> yeah yeah plural multiple right seriously you would enjoy the one in the armageddon factor it's good okay. it's good stuff how do you feel about the doctor being the president of the world I like it for the line it allows him to say. Like, remember when you wanted to take over the earth and you were twirling your moustache and you never got there? Look at this. Piece of cake. <laughs> <laughs> now you can't even grow a moustache. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I just feel like I struggle to believe in a world where all the like presidents and prime ministers and leaders of all the countries and all the nations worldwide would agree on this one man that most of them have never met. Um, and he's an alien and we can't get hold of him. And, you know, why, why would they agree to this? <laughs> yeah. Because Kate doesn't call him. He just happens to be there and then she tranquilizes him. The way that you would do with an elected world leader. Yeah, that's how I always, you know, greet my guests. So. <laughs> I didn't really understand why he had to be tranquilized, to be fair. Yeah, I don't get that either. Looks cool. Seems like good telly at the time. Still, when you have scenes of the TARDIS being loaded on- onto a plane and the doctor's just coming out from having been drugged and there's a dude in a lab coat taking random notes, like, it feels pretty cool to me. Like, I'm game. That's fine. I'm assuming <laughs> that's just half a plane that we just saw in that scene. I don't care. I'm totally on board. Do you know yeah. what? I think it felt too cool to me. It felt like it was trying really hard to be like, we're like a- on a James Bond film now and and we look at all our gadgets and um, we've got a plane and we've got this and I'm in charge. Yeah, this is the whole new unit nonsense. I, th- I think we had the exact same complaints when, um, uh, what was her face? Uh, Martha, when she joined Unis, and everyone's just wearing black, and everyone's got a beret, and, and they're just <laughs> constantly shooting guns. It's nonsense. Oh, but, but I think one of the best scenes in this episode, and one of the coolest, was at the beginning, where all the, you think, are just bystanders and civilians getting mm-hmm. their pictures taken with the Cybermen. And then yeah. on three, or whatever, they all bring out their weapons, and they surround them all, and Kegel's drops a Mondasian cyberhead or whatever it is. Mate, it's not Mondasian. It's, it's not Mondasian. A, a 60s cyberhead at the feet of the Cybermen. And yeah, I, I loved that scene. That scene for me was hit out of hit. I loved the cyberhead as well, the retro cyberhead. I think it's a, it's either a 70s one like we've already seen, or it's an 80s one that we haven't encountered yet on Who Back When, and I'm super curious about that. But that is awesome. But these people are super prepared, right? Unit is mega prepared, and all they do is point handguns at metal men. <laughs> I, there should be something more, I feel. Yeah, and when I, they blast off into the there. sky, they should aim that something more at them. Like, I don't know, a fucking giant net or something, or a nuke, or some clever sort of warhead that tracks, that, you know, heat-seeking missiles. Whatever, they got fucking rocket boots. Uh, uh, just, yeah. They yeah, don't. something. They don't, do they? Oh, for goodness but, sake. I mean, Unit in general, I think, is just unforgivably underused in this episode. The absolute best thing about Unit in this episode is Osgood. I think she's fantastic. She's wonderful from the in that opening scene, in fact. The fact that she is the one who has the guts to walk up to them and then drop the line, uh, bow ties are cool, and you've got the moment of recognition between the two. That's wonderful. But then Kegel's barely does anything in this. She has her ridiculously expository line of, uh, oh, it was my dad's wish, his ambition, his entire life to make you salute him so well i wonder if you're gonna salute the ghost of your dad at some point in this episode kegels no 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 <sighs> i don't think i don't think your mind immediately goes there i i think you think ah 
ah, you know what? They've already had Matt Smith ring, try to ring up bagels in his nursing home, and he's passed away. This is the final respectful memorial to Nicholas Courtney, right? That's his name? No, yeah, it's Nick, Nick Courtney, yeah. But yeah, you know Nick what? Courtney, okay. and, and this is a really nice way, nice big portrait. We get to see him. We didn't get to see him with Matt Smith. And this is enough, and this is a fine send-off now. Let's move on. Your see, brain does not think they are going to go, they're going to ruin this episode, this whole series. That's not where my brain went, though. I mean, it, to be honest, my brain did not go and assume that they would do what they did. <laughs> because, <laughs> I, because I have morals. But the... <laughs> would do that. <laughs> exactly. But my automatic assumption, if you drop that kind of line into Act 1 of an episode, my assumption is that by the end of Act 3, the Doctor will stand in front of that same portrait and salute it. Oh, I see. And, uh, and he didn't. But instead, I mean, because he salutes the quote-unquote real bagels, cyber bagels, but clearly there's going to be a salute. Like, there must be a salute. That line is so incredibly forced into that scene. And, to top it off, that is the only thing that Kegels does in this episode. She shows up, she drops her cyber head, and then she goes, hey, my dad wanted to be saluted. All right, bye. Oh, what? They left the door open. Woo! (laughs) Catch me, cyber dad! What else she does that really pisses me off in the beginning when she introduces herself, rather than say, I'm this like badass like boss bitch and I'm head of unit or whatever, she introduces herself as mother of two and keen gardener. Yeah, what what how about keeper of the the future and safety of the earth? <laughs> yeah. It's so it's so ridiculous. It pissed me off more than you can know. Like I totally missed that line actually. Yeah. That was the first thing she said, like mother of two, keen gardener, something else, and then and then whatever her job is and just like no no you don't get you know you get to that position in life mother of two is not the first thing you say and definitely yeah, that is not on her cv exactly exactly that's not the, th- the thing that you're most proud of i don't know it probably is for some people but no <laughs> it, really, it really pissed me off you know you've never had a male leader come up to you and introduce himself as dad of two have you like it's such a not that i remember no Oh, oh, on the subject of this, this is a big segue sideways. Mm. But talking about dropping biographical facts very quickly, Clara, in pretending to be the Doctor, we'll mm. probably get to that, is oh, yes. claiming to have, you know, lost his Prydonian privileges and been married four times, yeah. all deceased. Did, did, did they say grandchildren all deceased? Uh, possibly as well. But I, Oh, I hope not. But I, I think he, or believed deceased, perhaps. But, yeah, um, yeah married four times, yeah. right? And we only know about, or I only know about River Song. Who are the other three? Oh, well, there's Queen Elizabeth. Elizabeth I, yeah. Right, from the first episode, he, he had a grandchild, so presumably she had a mother. Yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm just scrolling through the trivia, and one of the b- bits of trivia from Todd's Wikia is, in fact, Stephen Moffat stated that Clara's reference to the Doctor being married four times includes his marriage to Susan's grandmother. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that still leaves one yeah there's there was one other thing about the um sorry i don't know who the fourth one is but maybe that's maybe that's something else that's in classic who somewhere but there was another line in her little intro that rang false to me and that was where she goes i don't actually have a doctorate bullshit because as you would know if you had seen the classic who serial with the fantastic ever expanding countdown the armageddon factor the doctor in fact (laughs) did get a doctorate uh, ah. it, yeah. The other thing about that conversation that didn't ring true to me was how 
quickly and willingly she was like hey I know his real name like isn't this supposed to be the biggest secret in the universe and she's just gonna blab it to a bunch of Cybermen oh yeah <laughs> and also can't the Cybermen just scan her and go well you're clearly human so you've only no. got the one heart <laughs> yeah <laughs> you only have one heart only one set of genitalia like the, there's clearly you're not the doctor yeah <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm saying that because I assume Capaldi has two dicks, so that's that's okay. a given, right? Yeah. Certainly acts like it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask: Are the Cybermen voices different this time around? Because to me, they sound deeper and more menacing. Yeah, I think that's true. It's still Nick Briggs, but I think they've done something with the um, vibrato. Turbocharged his filter. Yeah. I was wondering if it was still Nick Briggs voicing Cyberpink. I thought it was it was still Danny. I think you could ah, tell it was still him. Okay. Yeah, I, I thought I detected a difference. So how come Danny is still in charge of himself? When he comes, like, how come Danny, when he is cybered, how come he can shoot the other cybers in that same scene where, the, where Clara's talking about how much she knows about the Doctor? But he's, because... also, he's also not totally in charge of himself because he, he doesn't talk like him. He's saying, like, affirmative and and, and using cyber language yeah. and stuff. So yeah, he's blending in. Do you think it's all fake? I don't think it is because I'm sure afterwards he talks to Clara for a little bit and he carries on with it. How does he know where she after, is, even? Only after he takes his mask off that then he starts to talk like Danny Pink. How the does only, he even know where she is? Oh, sorry, the only okay. way that he can know where she is is because Missy once again just predicted everything. And hmm. Seb, once they realized that he was going to get cremated, they retrieved his body, bunged it in a tank, and Missy waited for the next part of her plan to turn out just as she'd envisaged. Uh-huh. There's a line about like he's connected to the hive mind and he can see just enough to find where Clara is, but not enough to know what their overall plan is. Oh, okay. But it just feels like th- there's just this weird little section for Clara that he's been allowed to access. That just doesn't read very true. Yeah. And and for her to envisage, by the way, that, that this plan working out this way, it would almost make sense to have him not delete his emotions and be downloaded into a defective cyber suit with yeah. the emotional inhibitor not working so that this episode can happen as it does. But then why put him through so much torment in the first half in case he does? <laughs> it all yeah, plays against it itself. Like- if he just clicked the button and then none of this would have happened. So is it a defective <laughs> it's a defective inhibitor, so everybody else might not have clicked the delete button, but their inhibitors are working. Oh, I, I don't care at this point. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> I, I you raise a valid question that deserves an answer, but I my, no. I, my brain's checked out. Isn't there an episode with tenants where they somehow like bulk disable all the emotional inhibitors and it turns the Cybermen completely bonkers because they are in such agony to be inside yeah. these robot bodies that like their heads explode or something yeah and they're screaming and they're, and it's like unimaginable yeah pain. And, and it's just the worst body horror ever Danny's just really hard and really ripped he's been to war he can cope with anything yeah he's seen slash caused some real shit yeah <laughs> but anyway Clara's little intro where she was pretending to be the doctor like oh, I yeah. think I'm pretty sure the first time I watched that I was I was completely fooled by it and I was like oh my god this is the biggest twist in the world really like is she really the doctor we don't know where she came from she's the impossible girl like there's always been a bit of a mystery and intrigue around her could it be <laughs> Did you notice that in the opening credit sequence they've replaced, or in this episode, they replaced Capaldi's face or his eyes with hers? Did they? 
did yeah. they? No, yeah. I missed that. I yeah. missed that. That's very okay. Cool. Truthfully, I also missed it. I read it in the trivia. I went back and watched it, and it's super duper plain to see. I can't believe yeah. we all missed it. But on top of that, I also found that they list what's her name? Jenna Goodman. Jenna Goodman. Jenna Coleman. Jenna Coleman. Yeah. They list her before Capaldi. Ooh. Oh wow. That's well, interesting. I can see how it would fool people because your your assumption with Doctor Who is they raise the stakes every year. How are they going to outdo, in this case, the 50th and the time yeah. of the Doctor where Smith left all at once? I mean, you, re- you do what ended up happening in Series 12. You completely invert everything from the beginning. There never was a Clara sheet by being in his timeline is the doctor somehow i could i could see myself along with marie in 2014 probably being like oh wow that's what's going to happen mm. and i think it is a really cheap trick <laughs> because because it it doesn't it, last very long well yeah. it, it jumps out from the within the Hail. story to the tv show level if you see what i mean you know that it's not just that clara is trying to lie to get out of situation and i thought she did a great job with the fast talking freewheeling deceit both here and later on where she's pretending definitely yeah with all that fake information well that true information delivered no whatever um <laughs> yeah we get but, it but it's also the 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 show and moffat tricking you as well and i i don't think they should have done it because i'm trying to remember what was was there much talk before capaldi took over about there being a female doctor was definitely one? yeah and so when she starts doing that it's like oh my god like they're gonna this is what we've been waiting for this is the twist um and then yeah it was just all a big tease yeah that people have been waiting decades for the first female doctor and yeah. they think they're within 45 minutes of getting her and yeah. it's just a joke i think that sounds like a fantastic idea but i never ever suspected that here because it's it's not set up this is the pre-credit sequence that's that's not enough to me anyway that's not enough to make me suspect that it is anything other than a ruse really by clara because she addresses the camera and the fade from her face is incredibly slow into the opening title sequence like that they set it up with the music the fade the camera shots and apparently the opening credit sequence as well but but, with eyes okay so here are my notes from that exact same i mean these two scenes the one scene preceding the uh, the credits and the scene then afterwards where danny pink shows up and shoots the cybers and where she's talking about how she's the doctor comment number one didn't we just have clara introduce herself as the doctor in flatline and comment number two these are some unusually gullible cybers Because it, it seems true. like the pre-credit sequence to me was just a, oh, I see, we're going to get another episode where Clara introduces herself as the Doctor and she's going to act like the Doctor. And presumably her arc in this episode, or maybe not her arc, but her B-plus in this episode is going to be, oh, well, eventually she's going to have to come clean and say that she's not the Doctor. That's going to be where it tails off. But she is constantly going to be hunted by the Cybers because they think that they're hunting Doc. I didn't think that she actually was the Doctor. I probably 
probably was fooled by it because I wanted it to be true a little bit. Mm. I could see an episode where that would be the cold open and then you get the rest of the episode kind of explaining the backstory and the, the cyber thing would become like a secondary story that someone would dive in at the last second and solve and we'd go back through Clara's history and, and find out where she came from and I, yeah. I mean I if we're going to go from Capaldi to another doctor mm. I mean obviously we did because <laughs> he's not the current doctor he's not the last doctor but if we're going to change from Capaldi to any anyone else playing the doctor she would be great at it she'd be fantastic yeah. at it especially if she also still retains all the memories of being a companion and like everything that we've seen with her so far that'd be kind of cool i think yeah yeah i i also forgot for a moment that this would have been capaldi leaving after a year i mean i don't think i actually expected that mm. um but like marie says people wanted the female doctor so badly that to yeah. be swindled out of it like to have it be a, a, a trick of this kind oh I don't know. It's pretty brazen. Yeah. Okay, podcast land, please tell us, pop a comment on whobagone.com, tell us if you suspected that as well. Yeah, it's going to be hard to remember now, now that, and also now that we've had a female doctor, people's feelings aren't quite so so intense about this. But yeah, yeah, pop a comment. Well, Let us know what you thought. Okay, well, summa summarum, for me, the reason that I absolutely never suspected that was that this is the pre-credit sequence. If it had been towards the end of the episode and it had been like the cliffhanger yeah maybe i would have mm. but we haven't yet because it's pre-credits we haven't yet given capaldi a chance to say farewell and you're not gonna have the main character of the show be replaced you know by a different actor without le- letting the current or slash former actor say goodbye to the audience and yeah so what happens is we see that pan out over the next 30 minutes let's say and then a doctor turns into clara or regenerates as clara doctor they go back in time and we see the parallel storyline yeah Hmm. yeah i think there's a way it could have worked or by jumping into his timeline at a certain point she just became him yeah yeah, that's in the mix as well saying why does she only go backwards surely she can go forwards as well i don't think i was expecting capaldi to turn into her i think it was more i was expecting a big reveal like she'd always been the doctor yeah been hiding it for some reason there was going to be some hand-waving about how they could coexist in the same universe and not, uh, you know, implode because of the paradoxes and stuff. But, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I was, I was going to suggest that, oh, perhaps the reason they never hug is because Sparks, but yeah. Clara's the one who always wants to hug. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but only because she knows he won't. The more she asks, the more he rejects her. <laughs> oh, I see. So that's how <laughs> she makes sure hugging. that he never hugs her by accident. Yeah. Has a not hugging been a, like a recurring thing? I don't remember it. Not sure. I think the first couple of episodes when she really wasn't sure about him, she flung her arms around him and he was like, oh, okay, I, I'm. Not, this isn't what I do anymore. I'll hug her. Yeah. yeah. Oh, bless him. Yeah. I've got two points from prior discussions we've had that I just like to drop at this point. Go over it. St. Paul's unpeeling like a Terry's chocolate orange. Yes, oh. thank you. <laughs> that was good. I like that. Yeah, it looked great. Really impressive. Oh, just marvelous effect. Yeah, yeah, it really was. I have no idea how Missy changed the roof of St. Paul's Cathedral or changed the dome, but yeah. totally worth it. Don't care. Fantastic. She yeah. went back in time when it was being built and she just gave them some like high-tech tools yeah here put these new pneumatics inside the job what is, what's this pneumatic stuff <laughs> <laughs> wow. i don't know where the chap building st paul's cathedral
Cathedral. He's he's from New Orleans or something. Yeah, I'm I'm um, gonna finish building this, and with the money I make, I'm gonna move to New Orleans. <laughs> I'm gonna move back to New Orleans. By no, the no, way, he, he moves to New Orleans. At this point, everyone in New Orleans is talking like this. Very very sophisticated, <laughs> newly moved French colonialists. I'm gonna move there, and then their accent and my accent combined somehow will form what people in the future in 2020 will know as New Orleans. <laughs> Sorry, this is such nonsense. Yeah, it checks out as much as this episode does. I do have a problem with the uh, St. Paul's, though, being dimensionally engineered. Um, oh, why? It's a high 91 Cyberman. Have you been in St. Paul's? I haven't, actually. It's massive. I've poked my head around to the bit where you can see the inside, but without paying to go in. Yeah. Well, you will have seen then. It's huge. It is quite big, yeah. And it has so many crypts and vaults and under passages i mean it very easily could have hidden this uh dark water lab in there and the tanks very easily um and there's no obvious gateway they just walk out of the front door i i don't see how that dimensional engineering is working hmm okay a throwaway line this is a throwaway finale cobbled together I, to i like that because it seemed like there were maybe there were meant to be more cybermen flying out of st paul's at the time i'm not sure i mean we've had quite a few cybermen walk out of St. Paul's already, and then we get another, let's say, 50 flying out of it. That's I don't know. true. I still think it's it's just huge. It, it doesn't fully explain it beyond wanting to recreate the iconic 60s shot for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, we don't get to see the Master's TARDIS in this one. So I wonder if maybe it's just a reference to, well, the TARDIS is in there. Maybe St. Paul's Cathedral has been replaced by the Master's TARDIS. The St. Paul's is now the Master's TARDIS. Ah, hence the Chocolate orange roof. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Leon, retro <laughs> rewrite of the week. And the other point, because that was only one point, actually. We have, we were talking about unit and boat one. We didn't mention Sanjeev Bhaskar. Oh, yeah. Living comedy legend. And they give him the blandest death on the menu. Oh, really? I didn't recognize him. Yeah. yeah What's he, he in? He's in Goodness Gracious Me and so many other things. QMAS at number 42. Uh, other stuff as well that is less explicitly playing on the Asian thing. Um, he's been, you know, in comedy for 25 years plus at this point, 20 years when they filmed this. He was previously in Doctor Who in World Wide Web, Leon. Really? Oh, is he the Doctor? Yeah, he's As in guy. the actual, not the Doctor Doctor, the doc, the Doctor who's not from Gallifrey. The scientist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he has a big part in that. And here he's basically there to get insulted by Capaldi two or three times and then get sucked out of a window. Yeah. It's maybe such it's such a waste. Uh, sure. But maybe it's just a, hey, listen, you're a legend. You happen to be on set. Or, hey, you're a legend. Do you want just like a throwaway line? You don't have to work for it. We'll pay you a pile of money. <laughs> and also you get to say that you were on Doctor Who. Just for, just for kicks, you know, just for laughs. Yeah, TV Doctor Who this time. And he's like, I've done I've done better things than Doctor Who, mate. I, I, I'd like a pretty meaty role. And it all gets cut in post. <laughs> Yeah, the BBC goes, oh, really? Better than Doctor Who, you say? Fine, come on board. Here, we've specifically... No, don't look at the other people's scripts. Here's your <laughs> script, specifically just for you. It's got 30 extra pages just for you, and then all of it gets cut. Yeah. It's all nonsense, and most of it is just sycophantic bullshit that the BBC wrote in for itself. Yeah, I'm sure this is what happened. <laughs> Can I point out that there were two characters in this episode that really got on my nerves? <laughs> <laughs> 
first off, the, oh, that's weird, look at that guy. <laughs> the, the guy who's standing outside of the graveyard, the, whose sole purpose in this episode is to just regurgitate exposition. <laughs> when, when we pan out, we, we zoom out, we just hear him in voiceover going, how come it's only raining inside the graveyard? I think he's American. <laughs> so that's one guy who really gets on my nerves. And the other guy is at the ending, when we get Clara and Doc in the cafe, there's one guy who's just, he's just sitting there looking at the menu. He's just perusing the menu. And he's sitting by himself. And I've never seen anyone peruse a menu like that. Like, the oh. guy is just so clearly an extra. So <laughs> he's, he's waiting for, he's, he's on her first date and she hasn't turned up yet. And he's really nervous and embarrassed and he just needs to just have something to do. So he's rereading the same, like, five items on this menu. Yeah, what, yeah. what's happened is he said to his girlfriend, so I'll, uh, I'll meet you at the diner at eight, shall I? And she's been like, yeah. And then later he thought, shit, did I, I didn't say PM. I'm going to have to go there at eight in the morning just in case she turns up, in case she's an early bird. And he's, he's been there for four hours already and he doesn't yet realise that she's not late. It's him that's early. <laughs> yeah, he never gets up before lunchtime usually. He's half asleep. He's barely even aware time is passing. He's got a massive hangover. This is the last thing he needs. Oh, you know what? You guys are really talking me around on this. I sympathise with this character now. No, more of him, please. More of him. I, I, every single time that we're in any kind of eatery in Doctor Who going forward. I want that, that man in there perusing a menu. Yep. Perfect background <laughs> filler. Um, the thing that annoyed me about the cemetery scene was why were they in a cemetery? Why would you why would you take Clara if you're da if you're Cyberman Danny Pink and you've just saved Clara from a bunch of Cyberman men, why would you put her in the cemetery where all the Cybermen are just coming alive? Wait, that you're so right. I hadn't thought about that. That's so put dumb. Anywhere else and she'll be safe. Yeah. Put her on a like a neonatal ward. Put her at the opposite of a cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is the safest place. We've got a good 70 years. That is Maybe exactly by then you'll stop you lying to me. <laughs> I want that scene. I want that scene. <laughs> Damn you, BBC. I feel robbed now. <laughs> <laughs> and those two are trying to have a heartfelt moment, but people are just like screaming and puking around them. Anyway. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yep, episiotomies left and right. Yeah, it's very difficult. So we were last in a cemetery for Amy and Rory's goodbye. Oh, yeah. Angels Take Manhattan, which again would sort of lead you to think maybe this is Clara's exit. Oh, you're right. Oh, very, very good observation. Okay, yeah. But the point I would like to make now is you've got the jerky Blair Witch camera work, right? And you're looking around and it's like, oh, I can tell something's happening. And little cyber hands. Are I think it's trying to be George, George Romero. Okay, okay. Uh, because you also, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there but I, I i don't think it's a blair witch thing i think it's more a george romero thing because you also in that scene or possibly in the ensuing scene you have hands reaching through graves and digging themselves out it's very night of the living dead right okay all that is fine all that is great however you have a, a cyber head or, or limb or something peeking out from behind the grave very quickly it darts oh yeah back away again and and you don't quite see it and clara doesn't go to look but then a few seconds after that you have a cyber straight up walking across the shot yeah 
you can even, I'm sure, screen grab it, and it will just be a, a blur of Cybermen passing like two feet in front of her. And she doesn't turn to the left to follow it or anything. It's completely ridiculous. It <laughs> it lost me for minutes afterwards. At that point. <laughs> Okay, so Clara rings the doctor in the aeroplane, right? Yeah. And she gives him an ultimatum of help me or leave me alone because she can't, for some reason, turn off the circle of switches in Danny's chest herself. Except then she can go ahead and just press all the switches. Oh, Drew, she needs emotional support. It's not about the switches. She needs to know she's doing the right thing. No, she doesn't. What she needs to do is get pissed off with the doctor so that she can alienate him. And then with the rage that she has, that's what will motivate her to go and do it. It's And it, it's such a stupid decision. He gives it a great reason not to. No, he'll become a Cyberman, which we know that he should, but he doesn't yeah. because love is a promise. Bollocks. But she doesn't know that. He, he's already raised his, his weapon arm at her before mm-hmm. it's been inhibited. I mean, she should listen to him yeah but again i don't think this is some sort of um you know this isn't domestic abuse this is the cyberman circuitry interfering no i I know but but she she should be taking something on board and listening to the doctor and being like okay last last week we had this emotional breakthrough and i have treated you like shit for a long time and instead of the doctor instead of just if if he doesn't do what she wants within seconds then i'll fuck off and go away and i'll do it anyway (laughs) It's a horrible scene. Mm. And I didn't like a single part of it. Because mm. I, 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 I want to like Clara. I love Clara at her best. She is not at her best there. No, she's she's very manipulative. And then the other thing is, right towards the end, she wants to kill Missy. Yes, yes. Oh, we have to I forgot about, about that. Yeah. Yes, you're right. And that really doesn't ring true. That I wrote down that, like, Clara is a psychopath. Like, she, this goes against everything that the Doctor stands for. Every other companion, it's normally the Doctor is the one who gets really riled up and angry and blah 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 and then the the companion comes in and calms him down and says like no we don't do that we don't you know we don't respond with violence if you've ever let this woman live then all of this is like all of these deaths are on you it's just it's like it's just not what you're used to in a companion at all Um, or in clara well yeah Yeah, you're right it's comparative Oh, sorry. sorry, go ahead. And then the doctor's response is, no, okay, like, you don't do it, but I will. It's not like he talks her down and he says, no, we shouldn't do it because this reason. He's he's about to commit murder. He's about to kill this woman in cold blood. And then the, he gets let off by the floating cyber Lethbridge Stewart. Yeah. Do you think he would have pulled the trigger? I thought I don't, he did. I don't I think he absolutely no. did. And like on the way, his shot was on the way to Missy as Lethbridge Stewart seems to take her out, but actually she <laughs> just transported out of there like a nanosecond <laughs> before that. <laughs> like it went duh, duh, duh. It was that quick. Like yeah. all three things happened. I, I do believe he was going to kill her. Really? Yeah. Cla- but I think possibly only to spare Clara the trauma of having been the one to kill him, uh, kill her. But, what, yeah. but at what point, why can't he say no to Clara? Why can't he? Now he's got the weapon from her. Can he not just say, look, we will 
she's in my custody now. We will take her to whatever, you know, court and we will put her in jail forever. But we do not, like, our answer is not to kill people. It never is. Yeah, and, and once you've calmed Clara, down, you will agree with me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Of all people, Clara has been through every iteration of the Doctor. She's seen him in action. She's seen him, you know, be cornered and feel like his life was at risk. And at no point has he ever turned a gun on someone. So why would she think it was okay? Yeah, and the, the whole thing at the beginning of this series was did he push the half-faced man out of the balloon and yeah. if he did then he was a bad man and if he didn't then he was a good man and here he's saying ah you know what i'm not good or bad there's gray areas i'm in the middle and now he's about to do the bad option <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like mere seconds later <laughs> yeah I, I think you've hit on something, Marie. Clara isn't Clara mm. for large parts of this episode. I, I get that people can be other people's kryptonite. So you said previously that it doesn't have to make perfect sense from what we've seen of Clara that she loves Danny. It's just that she does love Danny and that love does make her into a different person. But it's always to her detriment. It always makes her more stupid. Yeah. And I get that love makes you less rational, perhaps. It makes you more emotional, more hormonal, whatever. But to have that be the message time after time after time is really one dimensional and it's not charitable to the character. Mm. That's it. She's so strong and principled and everything else without Danny. And as soon as, like, you're right, he is a kryptonite. And then everything else goes out the window and she doesn't see she's not herself anymore yeah she becomes a straight up wannabe murderer who just won't listen to the doctor unless he's doing what she wants to yeah it's, it's very extreme mm. so the next thing that happens after that initial calling scene that i brought up was they're in the plane the plane's going down missy transports out after some disparaging comments about belgians ah they're not even french is this the end of belgium is belgium gone at this point <laughs> How many Belgians died? Well, I suspect no one because the only evidence of extra British, not extra British, not like super British, evidence of encounters with Cybermen outside of Britain that we see are just still images. We get a like a blatant still image of Manhattan and a blatant still image of the, I think it's the Sydney Opera House. Yeah. And presumably all of Belgium is just another still image and consequently perfectly safe. Mm. But she says specifically, go after Belgium and there is plenty of time <laughs> for them. <laughs> That's those, true actually. Yeah. Have fulfilled that mission before yeah. General Danny gives them another yeah oh and and i'm leading up to this missy checks out the plane and then the doctor goes skydiving full oh, yeah. on james bond oh that was no that was the bit that made me think of james bond i remembered now and i really hated that bit <laughs> i really liked it is he, it? Is he yeah, i'm sorry it? This key in his He's hand, a, yeah, and be aiming to fall into the TARDIS key first into the lock and open it. And get like, is that the plan? Yes, not but, using I mean, it. I can he, open the TARDIS doors with the click of my fingers. Oh, I oh, forgot yeah. about that clicking of the fingers. Yeah, yeah, yeah I forgot about that. The key I, I don't, the lock method. <laughs> I don't think he necessarily needs to fall key first, but I don't know. Uh, it was very much pointing it. Yeah, yeah, know. no, you're absolutely right. But I, I mean, I don't think that he has to definitely fall into the keyhole you know <laughs> yeah, uh, it's I, for aerodynamics purposes makes them streamlined 
I, I think it might be that oh he's gonna he's gonna fall towards the door, hold on to the handle, then use the key or something like that. It's not gonna be absolutely perfect. Mm, I'm glad that we don't get to oh, I saw it. <laughs> oh, I'm glad that we don't get to see what happens though, and instead yeah. cut straight to the uh, you know the clouds, the music swelling in the background, and then the TARDIS coming through. Everyone knows what's about to happen in that scene. It's it's yeah, great. And they I love really it. milk it. They, they, yeah. We are looking at the clouds for a considerable length of time. That's why this episode was 10 minutes longer than average. <laughs> because yeah. it was 10 minutes of the clouds and the drum roll was building. And I was like, please don't be the lamest thing ever. And it was. <laughs> I had a question about Nick Courtney. Oh, yeah. Which is they've made a lot out of they've made a lot of references to the fact that he died matt smith once already i think there was another one in between and maybe this is the third this is just to cap it and also he they uh visit the brigadier's ancestor in world war one oh yeah in twice upon a time so moffat keeps coming back to the figure of the brigadier time and time again as very important well worth commemorating why didn't they get nick courtney to appear in new who before he died they had years do you know i don't actually know for certain i think that's something that we ought to explore though in potentially a bonus episode because there are these i hesitate to call them unofficial they're certainly not canonical spin-off movies starring the brigadier and they're, they're these unit movies and i wonder if they were produced and clearly are considered non-canonical because there was some sort of falling out or maybe because the BBC didn't just didn't appreciate him. I'm not sure. I have no idea. Okay. But yeah. on that note, though, you know what? We never actually find out that this is the Brigadier. Oh, the salute. The salute is the key in the law. Yeah, but that could just be the Doctor mis- being mistaken. The Brigadier never salutes him or, you know, the Cyber never salutes him. Mm. Also, also, I meant to ask, is it a thing? You've seen plenty of classic brigadier classic bagels is he always asking for the doctor to salute him are they even hinting in that direction or is this entirely made up there's this there's definitely i don't remember the salute thing being a thing but there's definitely um a long-standing thread of the brigadier being i mean he's a by-the-book kind of guy he is he's the brigadier for a reason you know he does everything by the numbers he is very much very orderly he respects the chain of command he he's a military man and the doctor at the time is pertwee who wears frilly shirts and is just he's clearly just trying to pound everyone (laughs) 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 and part of their relationship for a very long time is just that doctor please can you not just be more of a military man can you not just see things the way i see them you know i see and i think maybe that is in in part exemplified by the salute okay yeah i'll buy that Hmm. how about we rate this let's And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. This episode is a really weird old jumble. It contains some of Moffat's best work. There are lots of good lines from Missy, especially. 91, Queen of Evil, laughed out loud. The doc says, good old PE, he'll make a maths teacher yet. Kegels goes, he's technically on the payroll. How much? Shush. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But also there is no little measure of Moffat's absolute worst. There's the, hey, Missy, you're so fine cringe moment. Oh, forgot Anybody? about that. Yeah. yeah. But what bugs me most is this episode sets up a really titillating, potentially meaty moral dilemma for the Doctor. There's an army to do his bidding. Is he good or not? Is he going to follow through? 
and then he delegates and he runs away from it. And this is all admirably true to his character in the larger canon. Danny was wrong about the doc all along. He was off offering some material that escaped in his madman's box. Missy's contention that they're not so different is superficially answered. We get a more adult conception than the standard black and white. But I still feel like Missy deserved a rebuttal or a solution where some attempt at absolution is made for the Doctor. The Doctor claims in this very scene to have been learning along the way as he goes. So are we to believe that after 51 years of life experience, he has never found a better course than to keep running the thing he started doing at the very beginning? There have been weeks where his ensuring nobody dies is paramount. See Moffat's very own first episodes, The Empty Child and The Doctor Dances. But here he's got no interest in what actually happens to Danny Pink. He just assumes the Gallifreyan hard drive, whatever. Of course, a Doctor as Universe President with the power to deal life and death would be untenable as a show. Moffat isn't interested in the Doctor trying to do God's work for him, nor should he be. But I feel like a fuller treatment of this incredibly complex inviting question was possible like this wonderfully talented writer could have done better if this third way bait and switch was all he ever had in mind he'd have been better off not addressing the question at all however interesting it is because it only frustrates the doctor's response is partial it's perhaps even cowardly which is a callback to the 50th which isn't that long ago that this episode botches never cowardly never cruel and his, his response might be that the whole lesson is we shouldn't be so quick to judge the doctor as either wholly good or bad that he only fails when he appears to fail because he doesn't live up to our pet virtues or maximize utility and we should rethink our standpoint on the whole thing. He's not saintly. He's not messianic. These are things that I've accused the Doctor of being in RTD and, and Smith's era. So he doesn't pretend to a divine level of goodness and that should be fine. I could get behind that. But there is no more sophisticated alternative that I can accept here make it <clears throat> whatever i'm gonna move on danny is an <laughs> asshole why is he so miserable to be a cyberman he's a soldier has he never ridden in a tank <laughs> slightly different you don't wear a tank every soldier dreams of being a human tank anyway when doc asks danny for the plan as the cyberman danny could probably see it properly if for one second he could inhibit his own emotions and engage his ultimate sodden towel of a brain but no danny chooses this scene to make his point and that point is only that Danny blames the Doctor for everything he does. He won't blame Clara for taking the Sonic and inhibiting Danny's emotions, even though Doc refused. Mm. And, and Clara made him do it, and Doc bowed to Clara's demands. Danny continues to blame the Doctor. Not a word against Clara. And maybe this is what coloured our perception of him subsequently, because this is his worst episode. He's undead, sure, here. But he is a proper turd. Clara's all <laughs> over the shop. They're never telling anyone else ever again that she loves them resurfaces ugh capaldi is fine michelle gomez blows everyone else away and love saves the day moffat took the most annoying thing from rtd's bash at the cyber finale and made it their key weakness here the thing the whole episode hinges on as if danny pink can do anything powerfully except brood and sulk it's entirely unforgivable poor bagels should have been allowed to rest in peace after the first watch, despite the previous 5 billion words, last week I rated this a 2.8 because it is watchable and there are some good scenes and good moments. But when I realized I had to re-watch this for tonight's podcast, I was so reluctant. I realized that was way too high a score. I'm giving it a 1.8. <gasps> 
which is less than in the forest of the night. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> mind-blowing to me. Right. Uh, Marie, do you want to go next? Um, no, you can go. Right. Okay. This episode has... Uh, it just has so much going for it. We, we've already stumbled through the origin story, and now we get to lean back and shovel popcorn into our gaping malls and watch the invasion unfold. But instead, I mean, we don't get an invasion is the thing. Instead, we just get two dozen disoriented cyber frauds bumbling around a cemetery. <laughs> they reintroduce unit in this, but all they do is point handguns at cybermen in broad daylight, thinking that That'll do the trick. And then they just hand over the keys to the kingdom to Doc, which I like, by the way. But I would have enjoyed more of them. And I was really sad to see Osgood go. Do we not get her back somehow? I I, want to say that we somehow get her back later on. But maybe that's just me thinking of the Zygons. Um, If there was one person to have rescued from the afterlife. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, hang on. She just died. Does she wake up in in the USB stick? I don't know. For a fortnight. And then she dies again. This time permanently. Well, moving on as I cycle through these characters, the Doctor, I thought he was really quite wonderful in this one. He got tons to do in a few different locations. He's working with Unit again, albeit very briefly. Yada, yada, yada. We've already talked about the Doctor. Missy, in turn, terrifying, psychopathic, Joker-esque. Didn't really get her motives at time, but she's so good at what she does that I'm just happy to enjoy the show without understanding. Clara, yeah, covered this as well. Great heartwarming in all the right scenes, showed a buttload of agency, but then also kind of shot herself in the moralistic foot in uh, in a few others. Danny Pink, I I feel like I'm going to say something that you guys are going to disagree with, but Danny Pink, for me, partially redeemed himself here after his emo-laden snooze fiesta in dark water. But the logic of it doesn't really tally with me. Was his speech to the, you know, the the new, when he has his speech to the newly hatched cyber troops, was that meant to inspire them? They're remote controlled. All the inspiration he needs is available at the press of a button on his Missy Bling. And the whole scene just felt like it was ripped from a gladiator ripoff produced by the asylum. And to cap it off, they resurrect a beloved character only to not let him speak a word and then exit stage up. Of course he... (laughs) (laughs) Of course he jetted off. I would too if the BBC were pissing on my grave like that. Poor Cyber Bagels. Poor, poor Cyber Bagels. They really just should have put a little moustache on his helmet. The only consideration to me is that we don't actually hear him explode, so maybe he flies off and has a spin-off. And lastly, the the two endings, not counting the post-credit tease of Nick Frost's painted beard that we haven't talked about, but I guess we'll talk about it in a couple of weeks. Uh, Okay, here we go. In reverse chronological order, Clara and Doc in the cafe lying to spare each other further torment. Heart-wrenching stuff. Loved it. And Danny sending the kid through an unfounded, unexplained, never set up portal that seemingly reconstitutes his unharmed body and brand new sweater, even though both of them should just be a collection of ones and zeros. (laughs) Fuck that. How is Clara supposed to return him to his parents? He doesn't have a passport. We talked about this. Okay, anyway, to wrap this up, lots of ups, a good few downs. I'm giving this a total of 2.1 oofs. That's oof with like four O's. Yeah, 2.1. Well, I think because I enjoyed last week's episode much, much more than both of you, I was probably sort of setting myself up for failure. But 
I sat down today, like, it's the finale. I was so excited to see how it was all going to wrap up. And then just the longer it went on, the just the more and more, the things that I'd hand-waved in last week that didn't make sense, such as the whole nether sphere and needing bodies that are, should be dust by now, and you know, all the things we talked about that I hand-waved last week really, really annoyed me this week. That's what we're here for. <laughs> through <laughs> and yeah and I just kept finding more and more things to pick fault with Danny Pink I think there was a redeeming scene with the doctor when he was you know we'd had this emotional reveal that you know pain is what makes us human and you need to feel the loss and blah 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 and then as soon as he has a technical uh, an advantage everything goes out the window and the doctor will pull the trigger and that was a really big moment and the doctor's response to that he just kind of stepped backwards from it all and and you know you could see how tormented he was that you would have to make this decision and it's a really tough decision when the you know when the potential survival of the human race is on the one hand you would do anything to stop this destruction so it you know one man's soul does pale in comparison I don't I think there'd be I don't know it's it's a lot of people would make the same call but then as soon as I sort of stepped out of that and it and it did just all Danny ever does to the doctor is spew hatred at him and it is he epitomizes everything evil in the world he is the worst human and you're right Drew Clara is responsible for nothing everything is the doctor's fault and then that really pissed me off as well so that so even that scene that I enjoyed doesn't get very many bonus points Clara again there's she I think she's such a fantastic actress and the sort of emotional scenes were amazing and especially the final scene in the cafe was I found absolutely heart-wrenching her and the doctor both kind of trying to lie to protect each other and to say you know save the other person from feeling sadness on their behalf it was a really strong moment but again shouldn't we have moved beyond this by now shouldn't we she'd said in this episode he's the one man I will never lie to and just time and time again lies to him and it, it would have been really nice to show that growth that we had last week continued in this week as well in terms of their relationship so again that doesn't get as many bonus points as I thought it would um, so yeah just and Missy Missy was the one thing I was convinced that she was fantastic and she did everything right in this episode and I could not love her more and then yeah it was you again Drew who pointed out that actually towards the end she does become a little bit flaccid and she just stands back and watches Danny give his you know superhero warrior whatever speech and she does nothing and it just doesn't ring true either so again I was adding on points for Missy and they're not quite as high as they were now <laughs> so it, it comes down and down the more we talk about it and I actually I did settle on the same as you drew I was on a 1.8 earlier is that where you are now yes <laughs> great review Marie I think yeah it's not it's not a great episode there are some great moments in it but it just doesn't hang well together and it doesn't it's not the finale that we were promised and and if it was Clara's last episode it would have been such a shitty way to leave it so I'm glad I'm glad that she comes back obviously and hopefully we'll give her a proper send-off when it is finally her time yeah I, I think it's quite telling that Michelle Gomez and Jenna Coleman both of them in this give amazing 100 
100% committed performances throughout, yeah. no matter what they're asked to do. And so when the quality of the writing just falls through the floor, you're like, they're being underserved. Yeah. It's really obvious. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> you're like, Leon, you know you're on mute. He's regretting that 2.1 he gave us. <laughs> Far <laughs> too now. high. Oh, Come sorry. <laughs> To me, this episode or the writing of this episode really wasn't sub floor. It wasn't great. I mean, we've discussed it for for a while now. It, there, there are plenty of things that should have been or could have been improved. But for, me, right. for me, it's because we like something in a scene, but there's no scene that is perfect. There's always something wrong with the scene that's like, oh, and we have to take that into consideration. You can't go three minutes in this episode without something being wrong or annoying. Shall we see if Podcast Land agrees with us? I think that's only fair. <laughs> <laughs> Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. The first mini is from Awesome Alfie. Hello, Hello. Awesome Alfie. (laughs) I'm going to read Awesome Alfie's first paragraph out in the style of Danny Pink delivering a gladiator speech. (laughs) (laughs) I really like this one. Once again... The Cybermen were cool. However, the flying isn't so good, but it's better than being super fast. Cyber Brigadier was interesting. I'm going to continue, but probably, but not in the style of Danny Pink. Uh, <laughs> the inhibitor chip inside his chest gets switched to overload, and Danny's not going to school today because he's dead. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty cold, Alfie. <laughs> That is Pretty but to be Actually, fair, we are laughing, so it's okay. <laughs> you guys get the I don't like Mondays reference, right? No. Oh, this is a Boomtown Rats reference. Oh, wait, no, what is this? I just thought it was really fucking cold. <laughs> <laughs> wait, is this a song then? Yeah. Okay. Nobody's gonna go to school today. She's gonna make boobs stay at home. <laughs> Something like that. That's my Bob Geldof, everybody. <laughs> Soundbite. <laughs> that was perfect. It's the first time we've had a celebrity guest on uh, Who Beck When. <laughs> Colin Baker, dude. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Churchill. <laughs> <laughs> With Churchill. Matt Smith popped in all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so he did. Capaldi did until he turned Irish that one time. <laughs> Awesome Alfie continues, mid-paragraph. Okay, I didn't know how to finish the song, but overall, it was a good episode. That Missy was intimidating, and the Doc becoming the president of Earth was shocking. And he gives this episode a 4.6. No, I mean, thank you so much, Alfie. (laughs) (laughs) Nice, genuine response there, Drew. (laughs) Very good. Wow. I am sorry. I'm sorry if I've made you think much less of this episode. You know, you do you, awesome Alfie. You're awesome. (laughs) I'm I'm sorry if you've now thinking less of us. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And our cold, bitter, shriveled up hearts. (laughs) Thank you very much, awesome Alfie. Next up, we have Michael Ridgway. (laughs) Hello, Michael. Michael, so big. Michael has some likes. Hmm. That portrait of the brigadier wouldn't happen to be from Seventh Doctor Story Battlefield, would it? Oh. And next like, Missy, possibly the cruelest baddie in Who history. More, please. Yes, please. And Michael continues with some beefs. It takes skill to offer golden nuggets and abracadabra, turn them into wet turds. 
Take the Cybermen emerging from graves. Looks awesomely creepy, right? Swiftly ruined by having them stand around aimlessly. Danny's visceral attack on Doctor's beautiful speeches that disappear in the face of a tactical advantage is super powerful, but ruined by Danny's daft rousing speech to the Cybermen. As if they care for or even have a choice. These aren't real Cybermen. They are fakes. They have no free will. That's what Leo said! I yearn for the 80s Cybermen. No empathy and pain shouldn't mean no personality. And why tempt the Doctor with an army but not explore how he would use it? That's what I said! Great point, (laughs) Michael. Michael's next is the return of the kid. (laughs) Right intentions, Danny. But how is this going to go down? He hasn't aged. It'll freak everyone out. Is he going back to a war zone? How will his newfound friends' views on the afterlife go down in a very religiously conservative, not overly tolerant part of the world? Heaven is a nether sphere, and Allah is a loony lady. (laughs) Islamic State aren't going to laugh that shit off. (laughs) So true, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> and the last boof. Cyber Brigadier. Minus four points. You were warned. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, and in summary, the Doctor is wonderful. Missy is wonderful. Everybody's acting their socks off, but they're working with material that makes no sense. Hmm. That's what you said, Drew. Yeah. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> I want to hear what Michael gives this, people. Come on, yeah, tell me. Someone tell me. Oh. He gives us a rating of minus 2.2 out of 5. <laughs> zombie people standing around not doing much. How are these long-buried corpses even Cybermen? Does Cyber yes. armor grow on the bodies by the rain? I want to weep. <laughs> so if you add four points from the Cyber Brigadier to minus 2.2, you get 1.8. Ooh. Yes, excellent Fantastic. rating, Michael. Fantastic rating, Michael. <laughs> Right. Oh, no. Well, Podcast Land, please join us in applauding Michael on Twitter. Michael can be found at bad underscore movie underscore love. Thank you very much, Michael. Again, so big. Bigger by the review. <laughs> <laughs> And last up tonight, we have a mini from Robbie Eleanor. Hello, Robbie. Robbie begins with some cordial greetings. Hey, guys, hopefully this reaches you in time for recording. It so has. Written, it did. I think it he's did, written this in the last four hours. Oh, oh, maybe he has. I'm not sure. Leon put out the, the call on Twitter. But Robbie begins properly. But as for our review of Death in Heaven, again, I loved seeing Clara play doctor, so to speak. And seeing Danny fight to keep himself whole for Clara's sake was heartwarming. As heartwarming as a Cyberman can be anyways. The reveal of Missy being the one that brought Clara and the Doctor together was a nice surprise. The Doctor giving the bracelet to Danny, and with Danny basically saving the day, was, in a weird way, a nice ending for him for me. I enjoyed his character, and I was happy with his final act in saving the others, including the little boy. He didn't get the happily ever after with Clara, but this was a nice alternative I enjoyed. Robbie continues, As for my girlfriend Alicia, she added she likes it a lot, and it had interesting character development for Clara. She found they also finally put Danny in a good light and he did the right thing sacrificing himself for the little boy oh, oh really did he <laughs> <laughs> sorry see uh, michael's mini <laughs> oh. 
She felt it was the first time we see the friendship between the Doctor and the Master in New Who, which she loves seeing a hundred percent agree. And to conclude, Robbie and Alicia give this one a 4.8 out of 5. <laughs> they graded it together. So you added your two scores together to get 4.8, right? <laughs> Very big hearts, both of you. <laughs> Holy moly, super duper big hearts. 4.8, that's that's higher than Awesome Alfie's rating. Yeah, that's like two lowest than the possible maximum rating you could give a thing. Yeah, I, I, but you know what? Fair enough. That's an awesome mini. So thank you very much, you guys. Yep, two thirds of, well, no, wait, three quarters of podcast land entirely disagrees with me. <laughs> and you know what? That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> they add everyone stay healthy and safe you guys stay healthy and safe too thank you very much people of podcast land who are neither robbie nor alicia please do follow them on twitter and instagram and, and whatnot robbie can be found on on twitter at robbie se that's se the letters <laughs> <laughs> And he has an Instagram account on which Alicia is featured now and then as well. I'm fairly certain she has her own account as well, but you'll find it that way. Marie, do you do you happen to know what, what the Instagram account in question is? I believe it's at Grayson Grid Cosplay. All in That's one Grayson word for your Grid convenience. Cosplay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely awesome stuff. Thank you very much. Bing bong, future Leon here. We did receive one more listener mini after we had uh, recorded, a few days after, in fact. And just for future reference, uh, everyone in podcast land, if you have a look at whobackwhen.com, we do try to announce in advance when we will be recording our next reviews. So try to get them in before then, because if you don't, then unfortunately we can't really guarantee that we'll be able to future Drew and or future Leon them. But this time... Hey, you got lucky, buddy. Who's the buddy in question? It's David E. Hello, David. David has written not just a mini about death in heaven, but a, a mini about, uh, to put it in his words, about the last few Capaldi episodes. So, uh, yeah, here we go. David starts, After losing my mind with anger about the last Pertwee story two years ago, <laughs> and you were right to not read it out, I vowed I would only send in a mini review if I had something positive to say. I want to break... In David's mini right here, and just say, David, I'm really sorry. I don't remember what the reason for it was. Methinks perhaps you had sent it in after the deadline then as well. <laughs> but I'm really sorry. Regardless, if I missed it in the inbox, very, very sorry, buddy. Okay, uh, David continues. However, to misquote Gandalf, this cannot pass. <laughs> in The Forest of the Night tells kids to not take their medication. How bloody irresponsible. Disgusting. Dark Water puts forward the idea that dead people still feel pain after they die. Disgusting. Death in Heaven resurrects the Brigadier as a Cyberman. Utterly disgusting. I've seen the worst classic Who has to offer and fear her and all that, but I seriously had to hold myself back from putting my fist through the screen when that happened. How can you do that to one of the most beloved characters of the entire show? Words fail me. I'm completely dumbfounded. It doesn't exist. The last couple of years are stricken from the record for me. As far as I'm concerned, Matt Smith was the Doctor for one season and regenerates into Capaldi at the beginning of season 9. After the Pandoric opened, Moffat lost his goddamn mind. What was the man on? Sorry for all the caps, but bloody hell. Uh, <laughs> in brackets, podcast lands. Some of this is in all caps. <laughs> David concludes with a few words of positivity, though, in saying the series massively improves from here. Well, all right. I'm looking forward to it, David. Thank you very much for sending that in. <laughs> 
you really didn't like these episodes. Fair enough. I really like it when episodes are super divisive. So thank you very much, David. All right, let's get back to the show. Bing bong. Thank you, everyone who wrote into this one. It's starting to turn into such a cliche, but I, I love it every single time that we get ratings from, you know, th- that vastly differ. I love yeah. it. It's fantastic. <laughs> Pretty sure that sums up uh, our Death in Heaven soiree. Yep, and we finished Series 8 for the second time, Leon. Oh, holy moly. Yes, we did. What's next? Next up, I think we have a classic, which is Destiny of the Daleks. Mm, yeah, that's going to be interesting. After which we have a new Who review. Drew, do you know what that is? Do. It's last Christmas. Podcast Land, we have in fact already once dropped a bonus episode of last Christmas. So please keep your eyeballs <laughs> peeled. <laughs> what am I saying? Uh, please point your peepers at Twitter and Facebook. We'll clarify what we do about this, but it might be that we effectively re-review this and we absolutely want your input on last Christmas. We want to know what you think of it. So don't hesitate to send us a mini. And in the audio channel, Leon? Very glad you asked. In the audio channel, we have an earthly child coming up next. Whenever Marie and Jim actually move to Germany. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's probably going to be the impetus. Hopefully soon. (laughs) We're trying. Good luck. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And for a bonus episode, some anniversary bloopies. That's right. Oh, yeah, they're coming up soon, very soon. In the meantime, you can say hello to us online. Marie, you're on some form of social medium, are you not? Uh, Yes, I'm on the gram. I don't gram that regularly, but you might find something in there from time to time to engage you. It's at Ham, Mash and Jelly. Ham, Mash and Jelly! (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, the vodka's just hit. Uh, <laughs> Drew, you're on Twitter. Yep, you can kiss my tweety Blarney Stone at Drew back when. <laughs> Excellent branding. <laughs> and I can be found on Twitter as well. I am currently at Ponkin. Say hi to me. I will say hi to you right back. Uh, but I am rebranding at some point in the near future, so I may not be. Yep. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. You have been an absolutely wonderful audience, as always. I hope you're staying safe. Until the next time, please rock on, be rad and excellent to each other, and cha-chao. Bye-bye. Toodles. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends! But I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers! Hey! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome! High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it, we're at who back when. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit, listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters and more which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, ciao ciao. Who back when?